Hello, my name is Brian Delaney, and thank you for joining me on the inaugural episode of Road Safety at Rush Hour, a brand new podcast dedicated to discussing the latest trends and topics in roadway safety and innovation. I am thrilled to share my conversations with some of the United States leaders in transportation, innovation, and roadway safety. Road Safety at Rush Hour will bring light to pressing transportation issues and topics from diverse perspectives. This podcast is presented by the Roadway Safety Foundation, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to reducing the frequency and severity of motor vehicle crashes, injuries, and fatalities through improvements to roadway systems and their environment. On this episode, I am so excited to have Rob Malloy, the Director of the Office of Highway Safety at the National Transportation Safety Board. Rob, thank you so much for being here. Brian, thank you so much for letting me be here, and thank you for Road Safety at Rush Hour, allowing me to uh, give some ideas on what the NTSB sees as ways to reduce fatalities on our highways. Well, thank you so much, Rob. It's exciting to have you on the podcast, and I'm excited to hear your insights and knowledge about pedestrian safety and your work at the NTSB. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, the NTSB is an independent federal agency. It's charged by Congress with investigating every civil aviation accident in the United States. So you might have seen the NTSB in the news with major aviation crashes and disasters like the Miracle on the Hudson crash and many of the other major aviation accidents that have happened. But the NTSB is also known for investigating crashes in other modes, including railroad, marine, pipeline, and for our purposes, highway. And so the NTSB's process includes determining the probable cause of these accidents and crashes, and then issuing safety recommendations aimed at preventing future accidents. Today, Rob, I'd really like to pick your brain on pedestrian safety and discuss the NTSB's recent investigation into the 2018 pedestrian bridge collapse at Florida International University in Miami. But first, I'd like to talk a little bit about pedestrian safety. So as you you and I both know, Rob, pedestrian fatalities are on the rise and have been on the rise over the past few years. According to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, 2018 showed a 3.4% increase in pedestrian fatalities, totaling 6,283 traffic-related deaths compared to 6,075 in 2017. Now, the National Safety Council conducted an analysis of this NHTSA data and identified that in 2004, pedestrian fatalities accounted for about 10.9% of all traffic fatalities, while in 2018, we saw a huge increase in that pedestrians accounted for 17.2% of all traffic deaths. I'd like to ask first, what has been happening that has contributed towards this upward trend? Well, first, again, you've identified a very significant trend that's happening. Um, My staff had identified that as as an issue. Uh, We'd had a public forum to just talk about some of the basics about the issue and the statistics. And when we had the public forum, 14 people a day were dying. Uh, As part of our investigation into pedestrian safety, we picked up 15 investigations to represent the 15 people who were dying a day at that year. You know, with the statistics you just quoted, it's now 17 people a day are dying. And this is just over the last five years. Uh, we've seen this increase, and, and that's truly unacceptable. 5,000 uh, 5, fatalities a year uh, is, is something we really, if we're going to get to zero, we need to address this problem. We've seen so many successes on the car side, on improving occupant protection in the cars, on helping 
drivers avoid collisions um, with other cars, what we really haven't focused enough on is on the vulnerable road users. And, and that's what we're starting to do now. Uh, NTSB obviously has a history in studying pedestrian fatalities, some of the accidents and crashes that have happened. So tell me a little bit about the NTSB's work with regards to pedestrian safety. Well, it, it had been several decades since we'd done a, our last full study of pedestrian safety. But we've also had accident investigations we've done uh, where we've looked at times when buses have had someone accidentally pe- press the wrong pedal. Instead of the brake, they pressed the accelerator um, and run into pedestrians waiting to be picked up by the bus. Uh, we had a crash in Santa Monica that occurred in mid-2000s um, in which a older driver was driving his vehicle around a farmer's market. And he accidentally pressed on the accelerator and plowed into a number of pedestrians that we investigated that. And, you know, kind of from those two pedal misapplications, we actually did a special investigation looking at pedal misapplications. So pedestrian investigations has not been something that's new for us. Um, The recent effort, though, was really purely focused on the whole problem pedestrians and not just the special area where people are waiting for vehicles or pedal misapplications are occurring. Absolutely. And the Roadway Safety Foundation focuses a lot on the infrastructure. And I know there's a movement towards safe streets and and complete streets and sort of looking at the way that the road is designed for pedestrian safety. What has the NTSB done with regards to infrastructure, looking at the environment, the the road environment with regards to pedestrian safety? Well, again, you know, the neighborhood I grow up uh, that I'm in right now uh, has no sidewalks. You know, so children who are walking to school are walking in the roadway. Uh, And we've had situations where people have been hit doing that. We really need to recognize that a lot of our infrastructure has been built for cars and not for vulnerable users like bicyclists or or pedestrians. Um, And recognizing that there are things we can do. When we did our study, we picked up several cases. We have a a case of a, a gentleman waiting at a stoplight without a crosswalk, uh, the cross, the light, he was waiting for it to change. It was never going to change because it was waiting for a car. It had mm-hmm. nothing to do with pedestrian. So he just went on his own and got hit mm-hmm. crossing against the light. We've got situations where we watch and we see those brown paths that get worn in the grass because people are walking along a roadway without a sidewalk and then crossing over to get to a bus stop. We had several cases where people were crossing because there was no safe place for them to cross and they were hit. Um, so the infrastructure right now is really not supported. Uh, so what we called for is, is really a lot of these are local solutions. Mm-hmm. We call for people to be providing money and information on how to improve. And some of the improvements may be, you know, structures to avoid uh, the roadway, you know, like a bridge going over. Sure. Could be road diets where you kind of thin the road down so it makes the crossing distance much shorter, but also decreases the speed that people are approaching pedestrians. And, you know, right turn on red is a wonderful thing for cars to kind of keep moving. But one of the difficulties is it's a risk for pedestrians. And so those types of infrastructure changes, recognizing that it's not just the car we need to be thinking about, but the people around the car. How have NTSB's investigations and safety recommendations contributed towards improved pedestrian safety? Certainly our investigations of the crash of um, Santa Monica. Uh, we had a crash of um, 
in, in Midway that involved a train hitting a parade float. Mm. So we looked at a couple of parade crashes. Um, we've made recommendations to counties to put better safety procedures in place when you do parades. When you have events like the farmer's market, make sure there are bollards, which are those steel kind of pillars that come out of the ground that will block traffic from the pedestrians. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing we did with uh, pedal misapplication in Normandy. Again, having some physical barrier that prevents the vehicles from going forward and, and hitting pedestrians. It sort of becomes a barrier. Um, those things have been, have been effective. Um, I think we've been effective in pushing NHTSA, uh, which is the, the group that um, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration that oversees the vehicle design in looking more at adaptive headlights because most pedestrian crashes happen at nighttime um, or in dark conditions. And so improving headlights. Uh, there's discussion now again of looking at pedestrian detection systems. Some vehicles already have it. NHTSA is moving towards putting that as part of their new car assessment program to evaluate pedestrian detection systems. That's that's very helpful. I think we've heard positive feedback from uh, Federal Highway and other groups about getting materials out to localities about the things they can do about the infrastructure to improve the safety of the infrastructure. I think all of those things working together will will be helpful. And again, some of this is also on the pedestrian. You know, 30% of pedestrians will be hit are going to be intoxicated. Mm-hmm. You know, there is personal responsibility here to not walk intoxicated, to not walk distracted by your cell phone. So many of us have our head in our cell phone all the time. We've got very strong recommendations about driving and not using your personal electronic device at all. Um, that is a concern for distraction and hitting pedestrians, but also for pedestrians being distracted and walking in front of vehicles. We certainly had a case where that played a role in one of the investigations we looked at for our special investigation. Mm-hmm. And you've been on numerous investigations and you've worked you know, in highway safety and roadway safety for a while. And what is it like going out on an investigation? How do you sort of prepare for the investigation and walk us through what an accident investigation looks like from being alerted of, of the crash or, or this you know, a transportation disaster to sort of presenting it to the board and having these recommendations and then following up uh, and, and seeing these changes be implemented? Well, one of the great things that the safety board is because of our reputation as a preeminent investigation group, a lot of us come here with experience that's either expertise in an area like human factors or vehicle design or roadway design. So we sort of know the questions to ask. The investigative techniques also come in important. And so a lot of us are researchers or ex-police who bring that with them. Uh, The board does a great job of training us on how to use those tools and giving us the equipment to be able to do it safely. So when we get that call, you know, we're going out there with a plan and and we know what we're going to look at. But we can't do it all. So as we're going out there, we're also contacting people who are going to be able to help us uh, in the investigation. They're called party members. They may be from the vehicle manufacturer. They may be from the police. They may be from the roadway design group. Um, and they're going to help us with information about the situation. Uh, it's hard working environments. We, we work for very long hours when we're out on scene. Uh, very concerned about fatigue. So we manage that. But we want to get the information as quickly as we can, because as it gets further, you know, information dissipates. 
Um, so people work hard. The, the beauty of it for the investigators and, and the staff that I uh, oversee is they're so passionate about finding out what happened so to pre- prevent them from the future. And as they're there and they're seeing things, uh, they're getting excited about, wow, this is something I'm going to be able to try- make a change about. And I, I think that's what helps them uh, continue that mission because, you know, as they're on scene and they're going through all the evidence um, and they're seeing things that they know may have led to this crash, uh, they're starting to think about ways to prevent that in the future. And again, that's that's the big goal here is, you know, we're finding out what happened, not because we're placing blame, but because we're so dedicated to preventing that next one from happening. NTSB is known for its accident investigations, and one of the most recent ones that, well, one of the most recent board meetings that occurred in October of this past year had to do with the Florida International University pedestrian bridge collapse that happened in March, I believe, of 2018. And I want to talk a little bit about that in particular, because I know it's something that is of conversation right now and what happened with regards to infrastructure and pedestrians. To give a little bit of context to that, in March 2018, perhaps one of the most horrific pedestrian and infrastructure disasters took place in the United States. A pedestrian bridge at Florida International University in Miami collapsed, killing six people and injuring ten. And the NTSB investigated this accident and held a board meeting, as I mentioned, this past October to determine the, pro- the probable cause. Rob, can you tell us a little bit about this accident, what happened, and what went into determining the probable cause? Well, certainly this was a very large investigation for us. Typically, we do investigate crashes between vehicles or between vehicles and roadside objects or vulnerable users. Uh, but we also have had a history of investigating times when transportation infrastructure has failed. Um, it could be as a result of during construction, it's failed and killed somebody. Uh, examples of that is uh, investigation in Golden, Colorado, where a girder fell. Uh, another example is Boston Tunnel, uh, where a ceiling tile fell and, and, and killed a motorist. Um, in this case, uh, the investigation involves a lot of knowledge about civil engineering. You know, and I have highway investigators who have that knowledge. Uh, but the board also works with a party system, you know, and so we had 13 different parties working with us to investigate this extremely complicated uh, collapse, you know, and just thinking about the movement of the, the debris and then analysis of the debris, the examination of all the records with regard to how to build that. It was a massive undertaking on our part. Um, we found basically three problems with this uh, bridge. One is that the design contains some errors. Uh, they, they made errors with regard to how much the bridge could hold up uh, and then also how much the bridge was going to be required to hold up. You know, so kind of errors on both sides, you know, um, you know, and that in and of itself isn't a problem because they were going to have an independent review of that design. Uh, however, when they had the independent review, it was scoped in such a way that they didn't look at the connections where they'd made the design error. So there was no chance of ca- catching that design error. You know, and, and even those two things happening, like many cases that we look at in, in transportation crashes or, you know, any 
types of these disasters. It's not one thing. The bridge started cracking and the cracking was right in the area where the design failure was. And as that cracking is happening, people are concerned and they're reporting it to other people. Um, and what they're getting back is, don't worry, this is safe. And after five days of seeing these cracks propagate, get larger, um, and constantly being told, don't worry, there's no safety problem, we ended up where we were. The bridge collapsed and nobody basically took the action that was needed to, to, to prevent this from happening, despite the clear, as our chairman said, the bridge screaming that there were problems. Right. And, and there, was, there was a technique for implementing the bridge after doing a little bit of research on this accident uh, and this bridge collapse called accelerated bridge construction. Can you talk about what, what is this accelerated bridge construction? So accelerated bridge construction is basically a form of construction that is meant to be safe, that will minimize the impact on traffic. So, and also by minimizing that impact on traffic and being over the roadway, it minimizes the harm to the workers because it's separating the workers from the tra transportation. Uh, in this case, they were building a span of the bridge, basically in a lot next to where the bridge was going to be. Uh, that allowed them to kind of work continuously without interrupting the traffic. Because anytime you stop traffic or you divert traffic, there's chance for crashes. So, you know, that allowed them to, the accelerated part allows them to work kind of continuously without having to work around traffic. Uh, it is actually a, a safe way to proceed. Um, and then after they built it in kind of the, that lot, they just basically swung it over to cover, go over the bridge and just had to close the roadway for, for that evening while they moved the bridge. So, so that's the process they used. Interesting. That's very interesting. And you know, I know with a lot of infrastructure projects throughout the United States, there's pressure to complete these projects more quickly and, and efficiently. However, how can we ensure that this accelerated construction doesn't jeopardize safety? I know you had mentioned that it does reduce the risk for crashes when you have you know, excessive traffic, but how can we guarantee that this accelerated bridge construction does ensure that the bridge is built completely and without or with minimal error? Well, I think, again, without going into the accelerated bridge construction, the big lesson here is, is one, you know, when you do your design, you know, you need to have checks and balances. You need to have a safety culture that's basically saying, OK, we're going to do this work, but we recognize that errors can be made. What are we going to do internally to make sure that we minimize the chance? And second, when you're going to go rely on somebody else to check your work, uh, initially, the company that was going to do this was just going to have another division within their own office check the work. You know, wasn't it was was not in line with the requirements, uh, and it was not independent. So, if someone independent who has no stake in the game can come in and say, "Look, we think these are problems that need to be fixed," that was kind of circumvented here, mm -hmm. um, and and that that can't be done. You know, safety is not something you can cut corners on. Uh, they, they kind of tried to minimize the bid, minimize the time that was worked on. Doing that increases risk. And again, when you think there's a problem, you need to act. And that's where we felt so many people who were working on this bridge project knew these cracks were a problem, but just kept relying on the other person to say it was safe. And, you know, sometimes safety requires difficult decisions. And in this case, we, were, we found that nobody was willing to make that difficult decision. 
They were all willing to say, you know, I'm concerned, but it's okay. Someone's told me not to worry. Um, and so it's not so much that in this case that things were being rushed, although with regard to the review, they really did shorten the time frame. Um, but the reality is people weren't taking the time to focus on safety. They, they as you as say, were kind of working on let's get this done uh, and things that were safety conscious. They were kind of dismissing without doing the proper checking and reevaluation that was necessary. And Rob, you have an immense amount of knowledge with regards to highway traffic safety, roadway safety. And the last question that I, that I want to ask you and I want to ask all my guests, because I think it's so important to talk about, is looking at the idea and this goal of reaching zero transportation fatalities. From your perspective, what does the future look like for road safety and infrastructure with zero transportation fatalities as our goal? What needs to happen going forward? Well, the reality is zero transportation fatalities is achievable. I mean, we have too many people thinking that this is just the course of doing business, of transportation. Um, and, you know, I've been involved in hundreds of investigations. We've never walked away from an investigation saying, well, you know, there was nothing that could have prevented this crash from happening. Now, if that's the case, that's the reality for the 30,000 fatal crashes that are happening, is there's something that could have prevented it. Now, it could be impairment. What can we do to keep people from driving impaired? Uh, it could be, what can we do to keep people from speeding, driving distracted? These are all big factors. You know, with regard to the roadway, how is the roadway supporting um, the driving task? You know, is it making safe spaces for bicyclists, for pedestrians, motorcyclists? You know, has it managed how people are going to intersect with each other? Are there things we can do with the infrastructure through better communication between the infrastructure and the vehicles that allow people to avoid hitting other vehicles. Mm -hmm. You know, so many collisions happen at intersections and there's been a lot of work on making those intersections smarter so that people know when they're about to pull out, they're about to hit someone else. You know, and that's vehicle to vehicle communication or vehicle to infrastructure communication. A lot of research has been done there. We need to move from research to implementation. Um, it's absolutely achievable, zero fatalities. Um, it really just takes the will of, you know, safety professionals like myself, yourself, of legislators to take those tough decisions. Not everyone agrees with having some of these rules put in place, but in the end run, it saves people money. It saves governments money, uh, companies money who implement these rules and, it prevents people from having to go to families and saying, you know, there was a tragedy on our roadway today and you lost a loved one. And again, it's so achievable. We just need to really focus on it and put our resources towards it. You really hit the nail on the head when you said that it really takes, it takes the whole in order to make this change. It's going to take advocates and stakeholders and legislators and safety professionals to make this change. And I, I agree, zero is absolutely achievable. And I think that if we continue to take the research that we've done and move it and, and put it into practice and innovate, but also take what we know now uh, and implement change is so important. Rob, I just wanted to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and share your invaluable insights from your perspective here at the NTSB and the work that you've done in roadway safety and highway safety and the investigations 
that you've done as well as talking a little bit about the Florida International University bridge collapse and what the NTSB was able to discover and, and what that accident looked like. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and and NTSB has a very special place in my heart as it was a place that I used to uh, intern at when I was in college. So it's very cool to be back and have you on as our uh, our inaugural guest on the Road Safety at Rush Hour podcast. So thank you so much for, for sharing everything with us. Brian, thank you so much. And thank you to the uh, Road Safety at Rush Hour podcast for having me on here. The movement to zero begins with information. And it's through podcasts like this that people can get that information to take the action to get us to zero. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. In closing, on behalf of the Roadway Safety Foundation, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode of our podcast series, Road Safety at Rush Hour. If you'd like to learn more, please follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Roadway Safety Foundation or check us out online at www.roadwaysafety.org. I'm also thrilled to announce that the Roadway Safety Foundation will be launching a brand new pedestrian safety public education campaign with our friends at the Federal Highway Administration in 2020. In conjunction with their STEP program, this public education campaign will discuss the latest pedestrian safety countermeasures that communities can take back and use to improve safety on our roads. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast network to listen to more conversations with the leaders in transportation safety. As always, this is Brian Delaney signing off, wishing you safe travels all day and every day. Thank <laughs> you.